This is Hunter Henry, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, here of course with Byron Lambert, and we have a bunch to get to today here on the radio program. Uh, we're going to have uh, have another edition of the podcast here this week, so three this week. There'll be three and four podcasts here on the feed moving forward. If you're not subscribed, please do so on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever it is that you listen. You can always listen, uh, stream, rosterwatch.com, backslash podcast. And wherever you listen, if you want us to continue doing this, you like the podcast, please give us a rating and a review there in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever it is that you do listen. With that said, Byron, we got to get on today and talk about Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry tours ACL already in OTAs, and before you know it, Hunter Henry down for the season. Uh, our guy Warren Sharp, who we like to uh, look at some of his stats and uh, correspond with on Twitter, he had an emergency podcast today <laughs> about the Hunter Henry injury just because he's a guy that he loves so much that his stats have identified, even going back to 2015, as a, um, a tight end in this league and just a general receiver in this league who is just one of the most efficient players in the whole National Football League. And like us, he, Warren Sharp was just a little bit tilted that finally Antonio Gates is out of the way. The stage was set for, an, for a Hunter Henry breakout. And now he's, you know, for all intents and purposes, out for the season. But listen to these stats. Through the first 13 weeks of the season when the Chargers were still in the playoff mix, they were 5-0 and whenever Hunter Henry got 70-plus percent of the snaps. When he got less than 70% of the snaps, they were 1-6. And listen to this, once, once Antonio Gates broke the touchdown record, and that was in week two, when Hunter Henry after that, when he had five targets, the Chargers were seven and one. When he had four or less targets, the Chargers were 0 and six. So Hunter Henry, a big difference maker on that offense. Somebody we were targeting is what uh, some of our friends on Twitter had remembered us talking on the show about this last week is a little bit of a life preserver there. Once you get to the sixth and seventh round and don't want to take these shitty running backs like Lamar Miller and best ball, we would say, hey, it's easy. Just go for Hunter Henry. What the hell are we doing now? And um, how do you see this news affecting the, the landscape of the fantasy football? Uh, or how do you see this news expecting the fa- How do you see this news affecting the fantasy football landscape? Well, Hunter Henry, truly a golden son of Roster Watch Nation. So obviously a big disappointment. A couple of things. I, I, first off, in best ball, this really solidifies Greg Olson and Evan Ingram in that tier of type. Jimmy Graham, too, maybe. Yeah, prob- the, probably. He's right there in that group. I think we're going to have to – I've done some work on the best ball cheat sheet, and I've, I've included Jimmy Graham in that cluster below Evan Ingram 
and Greg Olson just to give us three good tight end options there at that 60 to 70 uh, ADP before we start getting into these runners that we don't have too much uh, real interest in like Lamar Miller, Tevin Coleman and Chris Thompson coming off of ACL surgery. Yeah, I think it starts to bring all three of those guys back into focus a little bit. Probably for me, along with the C.J. Anderson, maybe a a little bit later in that similar area. Um, And then in terms of how it affects the Chargers, I pretty much like it for everybody except for Phillip Rivers. Uh, The way I see this is this solidifies the need to run the ball, and that's something Anthony Lynn's been pounding away on anyways. Melvin Gordon, one of the big winners of the NFL draft. I mean, he's going to have to get volume now, serious volume. And obviously good for Eckler, too. Then in terms of the passing game, you know, if I'm Tom Telesco, I look at this thing and I say, well, I don't really need to make a big move at tight end because I'm prepared for this. These are the investments I've made at the wide receiver position. A lot of folks a little bit surprised to see both Travis Benjamin and Tyrell Williams back in Los Angeles with the Chargers this year. So, look, Mike Williams is clearly the ex-receiver. Tyrell Williams and and even Travis Benjamin are both guys who can play in the slot. We've seen it out of Tyrell uh, Williams. And then, you know, for me, this just totally and completely cements Keenan Allen's status as if anybody thought he was overvalued before, now his value is equitable. And this certainly cements his status as an absolute target hog, especially across the middle. I mean, for those those slot type, tight end type, middle of the field targets, I mean, there's no better player on that team suited for those than Keenan Allen. I certainly believe that's who Phillip Rivers will be looking to. So uh, PPR Maven Keenan Allen uh, again for sure in 2018. Virgil Green probably also somebody to keep an eye on. I mean, he's the – I mean, nothing to write home about as far as the talent, but he really hasn't gotten the opportunity to showcase uh, too much at the NFL level being in Denver, which is just such a black hole for uh, tight end talent, or at least it has been in recent years since Julius Thomas left town. Also, I think my, – my immediate thought was, okay, Antonio Gates is gone. Hunter Henry is gone. To me, that says, who's going to be the go-to guy in the end zone and the red zone in those contested catch situations? And the first thing that popped to my mind is, geez, how about the top 10 overall pick that was the contested catch specialist in college, Mike Williams? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, if you ask me just in terms of who benefits the most from the loss of Hunter Henry, I think it absolutely has to be Mike Williams. So let's just talk about it from a best ball perspective um quickly here because we have mike williams and we have tyrell williams having nearly exactly the same adps at 174 and 175 over the course of the last two weeks you take mike williams over tyrell right i think i have to i'm pot committed on that ordeal do you take him let me just ask you just where you would take these guys uh where you would take these i mean guys. even though this is also a bump like i said for benjamin and tyrell williams i understand that do both do, do both those guys both those guys belong in front of do they bo- both belong in front of cameron meredith and jordan matthews and michael gallup I mean, Tyrell Williams, I'd have to say for sure. 
It, but no, but I thought you said that you like Mike Williams better than Tyrell. Oh, Mike Williams and Tyrell Williams, Tyrell Williams, better. Uh, Benjamin might bring up the end of that group. Right. Uh, I'm. I'm. I, I understand. Let me re-ask the question because I don't. I don't think you understood it. I think Mike Williams and Tyrell Williams need to be back to back. Their ADPs say that on the sheet they should be back to back. Their ADPs are 174 and 175 respectively over the course of the last two weeks. I want those two guys to be back to back on the on the cheat sheet for now. Okay. But should that cluster of two guys should they be ahead of DJ Moore? Because DJ Moore right now has an ADP that's 30 spots higher. I mean, probably. Should they be ahead of Cameron Meredith, who has an ADP 30 yeah, spots higher? they should higher? be a high, above Meredith and Gallup, for sure. I'm not and, what, and, and Jordan Matthews as well? Yeah. Do you think that they should be above two other players who are back-to-back on the cheat sheet, Calvin Ridley and Mohamed Sanu, who both have 135 ADPs? 40 spots higher. That's where it stops, isn't it? I mean, I I like Mike Williams. I like gambling on Mike Williams more than either of those guys. To me, but it's I a little for, arguable think, when you get to Tyrell. Stru- if you wanted to separate them, so they're not back to back, separate them with I one think, or both. I of think those for guys. the structure that for the structure of the cheat sheet, we're not going to be getting either of those guys anyway. So let's get these two guys down to here. We'll get Mike Williams and Tyrell Williams up. To where we're probably going to be end up getting more exposure to, let's see, Michael Gallup, Jordan Matthews. Okay, we're going to, we're going to end up getting more exposure to Mike Williams than Tyrell Williams, but we're going to start getting some exposure to both those guys. I mean, I hope these I, guys are like tenth round picks and beyond. Let's see. Um, so Mike Williams would be a pick at. So what is fifty? Plus 50 plus uh, Mike Williams, so 50 plus 60, so we're already at 110. Plus 22, we're at 132. Plus uh, 18, so 150. So around 12 or 13, something like that. Yeah, that's fine, right? Yeah, I like that. 150, yeah, it's 13th round. Okay, so yeah. I think that, yeah, I think that that makes sense. Of course, we take Hunter Henry off of the cheat sheet. Melvin Gordon, I got him above Dalvin Cook, to commit, and which is commiserate with his ADP. I got Keenan Allen to just behind uh, Julio Jones, which is higher than his ADP. Basically, I got it to where you're going to have to choose between Melvin Gordon and Keenan Allen at, if you get to pick number nine. Five. So if you get to pick number 13 or 14, just right there at the one-two turn, it's gonna be it's gonna be Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen territory at that point. Funny, and I, I think started, that that's fair for both those guys. I started a new best ball draft last night on draft, and somehow I always get auto selected to draft from the turn. I'm at that number 12 spot, and uh, I had well, I guess two things. I had that decision between Melvin Gordon and Dalvin. It was a really tough decision, but I went with Melvin Gordon there. Uh, especially with post-Hunter Henry news. And I actually got Odell Beckham right there on the turn with Melvin Gordon. 
The best ball cheat sheet will be updated to version 7.0 uh, with new ADPs being taken into consideration for the last two weeks. Mainly, you know, following all of the OTAs news, everything that's occurred, you know, the, the Mark Ingram news, uh, ADP starting to settle in for some of the rookie running backs and us having to adjust the skeleton of the sheet a little bit to make sure we're drafting value everywhere. Uh, you can dominate your best ball drafts by getting the best ball cheat sheet available to our pro members at rosterwatch.com where membership is cheaper than a cheap cup of coffee. It's the best way to support the Roster Watch podcast. And if you like the Roster Watch podcast and you're not a fucking freeloader, please support us by getting a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. We love this and we love you guys for, for supporting us. Okay, um, anything else you want to talk about with the Hunter Henry stuff or do you want to move on, Byron? You know me, I'm always ready to move on when we're thinking about talking about Miller time. Miller, t- <laughs> what? what? I'm not. T- I'm not talking about doing any any day drinking. I don't do it. I certainly. I, I certainly could be. As a matter of fact, that is likely in the plans this afternoon. <laughs> but I think you might be talking about Anthony Miller. Give us the news about the dearest, sweetest, most golden and special little baby, beautiful boy, our golden, beautiful son, Anthony Miller. Well, the little post-draft hype, you know, of course, roster watch always way out ahead of the curve. And then here's what it is. All this group thinking people are so far, so afraid to make their own evaluations, go out far on a limb and stray from the group. So once everybody starts to kind of get comfortable, then you see people coming out. Uh, people are coming out of the woodworks like they've always been Anthony oh, Miller truthers. Yeah, and it, it hurts yeah. a guy like me real badly, but it's just the way that this whole thing works. So. You know, you see the news from ESPN today that Anthony Miller um, slated to work as the starting slot receiver, most likely. That's where he'll be competing to play uh, for Chicago this year. And I mainly found that interesting for for a handful of reasons. I know I know that uh, your guy over at Fantasy Mansion, the Podfather, his comparison was kind of a souped-up Cooper Cup for Anthony Miller, which. We of course no, it's it, it, it's that, but but the but the main one is Victor Cruz is is what the, is what his website player profiler uh, profiles Anthony Miller as. But yeah, he says he says he's an ex, he says says he's an explosive Cooper Cup. That kind of is a Victor Cruz. Yeah, so that's right? what he always says. Yeah. So right, I mean, and of course, I believe as much as we love Cooper Cup, and anytime you talk about an explosive version of Cooper Cup, that's something Roster Watch Nation is certainly satisfied, <laughs> yeah. content with, and very excited about. But, you know, obviously for a guy like me, I still think that's underselling Anthony Miller. However, I think this is a good way to get him integrated and getting volume early on in his career. We've seen it with guys like Aguilar. I think we've even seen it with a little bit like an Amari Cooper I know there's at times we thought a guy like Stefan Diggs could move in there. We definitely saw it with Juju last year. And, uh, you know, I think a Mitchell Trubisky, his type of game. And it's going to be awesome. It's a real, he's a rhythm <laughs> and timing, awesome. yeah. accurate passer in immediate, intermediate range. Anthony Miller can dismantle every single kind of coverage available against him. He's going to be matched up most times against the team's third best cornerback. That's a bad matchup for NFL DBs. He's going to light those idiots up. Um, and you look, I still see potentially as a combo guy. We're going to eventually see him on the outside 
uh, some as well where where he'll be able to win. But, you know, I kind of I, I had never really thought Juju before. He's a little bigger than Miller, but I kind of like it because of the physicality I think he'll have at that position. He's a more physical player than somebody, say, like a Nelson Aguilar. Uh, so that 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 starts to make me feel really comfortable. I think this That's is interesting. Th- yeah, Juju is as a com- Juju is a comp because my comp for Juju was always Stevie Johnson, and my comp for my comp for Anthony Miller has always been a you know in, in Odell Beckham that you know worst case scenario you know could could you know be like a Justin Hardy or something like that just because he's from the same division same size hands same elite production at the college level but I think that Stevie Johnson isn't Stevie Johnson like a little bit of just a more kind of a more kind of physical and maybe just tiny bit less explosive Odell Beckham and (laughs) if you think about all those guys those are all guys who can play in the slot or play outside Juju can play outside right we know that absolutely yes of course and then you know so for PPR this is good news for Anthony Miller this is good news for Trubisky I to this also clearly just like Mike Williams in Los Angeles this clearly now makes Allen Robinson, you know, a much more established player in the NFL. I mean, the hands-down ex-go-to guy on the outside, that should set him up for big volume on high-value on high value targets throughout the season. This is good news for, for uh, Allen Robinson. He's not competing on the out for, for targets on the perimeter with Anthony Miller. And then, you know, I, it makes Taylor Gabriel's role – very clear on the outside actually reopens that door for him to continue being basically a potential uh, uh, low dollar tournament play almost every week of the season, just like he was once he started getting real involved there in that Atlanta offense uh, at at times. So this is a little bit uh, maybe I don't want to say it was unexpected. Uh, but uh, definitely just interesting news this early out of OTAs, and it just means it's going to be Miller time early and often, as uh, at least half of us <laughs> like here around Roster Watch. <laughs> I, it's, I like that kind of Miller time. And it, it's, I'm telling you, man, if, if early and often means 6 o'clock, I'm fine with Miller time at that point, too. Let me ask you this. What do you think, Alan? If, if, if I give you an over-under on um, Anthony Miller's Week 1 DK salary – of 4100 will he be over or under you know that start time of yours has been pushed back about 45 minutes to an hour over the years man it used to be a 5 515er <laughs> alex would be ready for a tequila shot 6 o'clock no, I tell, 6 I tell o'clock the threshold yeah, now dude, now that i have kids man if i take a shot of tequila at 515 i'm going to i'm going to be i'm going to be one of the snooze by the time i'm having to go through their bath time routines so there's no way yeah, you sure are a good father man <laughs> anthony miller over under $4100 on dk in in week 1 Boy, that's a great number. I'm gonna say I think that's on the nose. I think four thousand. I think you might be nose. exactly right. Yeah, if, 4, I, if I had maybe. to guess, the hype might be big enough by then that maybe be forty three hundred, forty four hundred. But that's I, that's on the I, nose, I, I man. Think, yeah, I think only if the hype gets huge, he would be up there above forty five hundred. But we'll see. He's gonna be a guy that we're gonna think about playing in, in week one and just being way ahead of everybody else. You remember last year in week one, another Chicago Bear won somebody the million bucks, and that was Tariq Cohen coming in and going bananas. 
Um, okay, let's see. Anything else here on Anthony Miller before we move on? I'll have a hard time sending the trash man solo to f- scout my favorite rookie for during the training camp tour. <laughs> In his yeah. in his trip to Chicago, that's one that he's. And he's you know what he's going to come. He's going to come back and he's going to come back and say, yeah, I, I, I don't think he looked that good. It makes I'm me sure it makes me kind of think that that might be one I need to to join him on for a little bit of <laughs> yeah, a little bit of quality tra- control. Tra- Trashman has a lot of friends up there in Chicago, and if you know the Trashman, a lot of them are probably chicks, right? Yeah. Maybe some of the listeners, some of Roster Watch Nation lives in Chicago. If you do, hit us up on Twitter at Roster Watch. Let us know and let us know if you want to meet up with the trash man and buy him any free shit because he certainly always loves that. I got okay. Oh, go ahead. No, you you got something else? I was gonna say I got a few things here on the running backs real quick. Some All just right. to dovetail off of last uh, the last podcast. So. I'll be releasing version 1.5 of the Dynasty Rookie Cheat Sheet either today or by tomorrow morning. Essentially what's occurred there is we finally had enough fine-tuning in our inputs that uh, Rashad Penny has now moved up over Royce Freeman on the Dynasty Rookie Cheat Sheet version 1.5 that will be hitting the website here very shortly. And look, guys, it's a situation where – we talked about that tier, the Ronald Jones, Royce Freeman, uh, and the Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny. And look, and even the Nick Chubbs, which we said he's kind of moved into his own tier, but has pretty much been part of that group as well. We're, we're happy with any of those guys. We're happy with any of those guys. We like them all in Dynasty. Uh, we're splitting the smallest of hairs, but we're using the intelligence we have to stack this board uh, based on the, inf- the, the entirety of the information we have at the current moment so that you guys are as up-to-date as possible in your drafts. So, uh, all- and it, all, and it, and also, it also has to shift with ADPs. What people don't understand is the cheat sheet is not rankings. It's a, it's a visualized method to beat ADP and to always draft value that is designed in a way that's magical and mystical and makes sure that you're always going to be drafting an expert quality roster. The other thing I'd like to say is that Ronald Jones will still stay atop that group by a small, small margin. So if you guys are Rashad Penny or Royce Freeman lovers and that's what you want to do at 1.03, take some license and do it. A lot of y'all are very good uh, players. That's why you're here. Uh, last but not least, I'm sure most of you have seen the videos floating around on social medias today of uh, Brown's OTAs where Nick Chubb's feet look like aluminum pistons in a high-revving, highly-tuned engine just <laughs> firing away in a way that you can't ever imagine. And just don't want to get too far off the reservation with Nick Chubb, but guys, we're just you know when we got to split these hairs, even in Dynasty – we have to consider what impact, what production will occur in year one. Why is that? It's because Roster Watch loves to operate from a position of strength. And even if our dynasty leagues, if we can get our players, our young players, off to a good start, get their value up, it gives us more leverage to work with in subsequent off seasons. 
Yeah, and and also, but here's the other thing. As far as getting off to a good start from a redraft perspective, I don't think that Nick Chubb is going to be the guy that helps you get off to that quick 4-0 start to wherever you can really come in to the trades with the losing owners that occur every year, like clockwork in week three and week four as teams go, mainly as teams go 1-3 and or 0-4. That's when you can really fleece somebody if you are coming in on the winning side uh, of the trade, you know, the winning franchise. It's why we're going to be a little bit lower in redraft on a guy like, you know, in traditional season-long redraft on a guy like Mark Ingram uh, than we are in best ball. We're going to be a little bit lower on Nick Chubb in traditional redraft than we are in best ball because we're confident, you know, both those guys are going to get back and they're going to do fine. But we don't want to risk getting off to a slow start in, you know, season-long redraft because we understand that, you know, using our tools, using the trade, the in-season trade cast, the, the great podcast that uh, Byron does in-season, um, using uh, all the methodologies that we have up for you at rosterwatch.com in our, uh, you know, in our interactions with you in the comments section and et cetera, et cetera. Winning trades is going to be a big part of this deal. And when you start out, you know, a little bit handcuffed at the very beginning of the season with a guy like Mark Ingram, who you're not going to have for four games, or Nick Chubb, if you're not going to know whether the, you you know, whether they're going to give him the football or what for the first few games. Those are assets that we like much better in best ball, where we can just hope that the volume that we drafted those positions will take care of us for those first, you know, three to four weeks before we can start getting the big games out of these guys. So certainly uh, like Nick Chubb a lot more in dynasty and in best ball than I do in season long redraft formats for now, unless we know until we know something a little bit more about Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson and, and kind of how that platoon will be split up to start. Speaking of, let me ask you real quick, because we've seen the tidbit today that Duke Johnson is feeling confident he'll come to agreement on a extension or a new deal to continue his career in Cleveland. Makes me wonder a little bit, Nick Chubb coming out, concerns on third down in pass protection and in the pass receiving game, you know, concerns that we're not so worried about. We think he can do it right. But how, how much of a chance that he does he get Derek Henryed in Cleveland? There's a slight chance. Through yeah. two I mean, years with a yeah. Carlos Hyde who's pretty good on all three downs, just more of a veteran. Uh, you need, you might need well, three backs. It looks like, like Duke Johnson's going to be in the mix regardless. Where I've ended up on Carlos Hyde is that they took Carlos Hyde not knowing how this draft was going to play out. They didn't know they were going to get Nick Chubb. You know? Nick Chubb is better. I think that eventually you, you got to play the guy who's better. Right? They can get out of Carlos Hyde's deal. I think yeah, they can, but I think you can also play them all, and Cleveland has a ton of cash. Yeah, you could, you could. I, I just, I don't think it makes, I just, I, I don't think it makes much sense. And sooner, sooner you're gonna have to start paying some guys. You know, if these guys are any good, you do start winning some of these games. You're gonna have to start paying some of these dudes. That's just the, that's the way it goes. That's the natural progression of things. Um, and, oh, and did you see? How about our boy? Uh, didn't they draft Austin Corbett from the Senior Bowl? I believe so, from Nevada. I'll have to double-check. He's a good yeah, player. Dude, well, did you see that they had him working out, starting out at, le- at left tackle? That's pretty wild. Moving good, right in. Good our, player. Our boy, our boy, the all-senior bowler, um, taking over the Joe, possibly taking over the new Joe Thomas role there. So, uh, roster watch all senior bowl teamer Austin Corbett. We saw it from him right there in practices uh, there from the senior you, bowl where you heard from us uh, live here on this very podcast. You know who else I like from the senior bowl that doesn't get much run? 
is uh, Wyatt Teller. He was a yeah. guard at the Senior Bowl. Actually, and people talk about how miserable the Bills' offensive line is. I'm just realizing here he he was drafted by the Bills, so not to not to say that's going to change the face of their offensive line this year. But that's actually a sneaky good addition to in the draft to an offensive line that most consider a struggling unit. Let me ask you this one more thing before we get out of here. Matt Barrows, I believe he's of the Sacramento Bee or one of those San Francisco Bay Area newspapers. He says draft Jarek McKinnon early in fantasy. He says that he was catching a lot of passes when uh, he first got to see him in OTAs from Jimmy Garoppolo. I looked. Let me just pull it up. Uh, Jarek McKinnon's current ADP is 25.5 over the course of the last two weeks. So he's now up to uh, – pick 3.01 as far as ADP I have decided that what do you think about Jarek McKinnon over Devontae Freeman and LaShawn McCoy I can live with it probably take Devontae if it was me just to be a little bit on the safe side but look you got the concussion issues with with Freeman I Devontae it feels like the safer pick to me I'm goosey enough about McCoy that I could if you're feeling it and you want to be ahead of the curve on McKinnon, I can live with that. We have Jarek McKinnon priced into where if you can get him at 2.09 or 2.10, we're going to go after him. We're going to get him. We're going to get three spots ahead of ADP on him here on the cheat sheet. I think that's where we should get priced in on him. I like the value there. I think that this ADP is going to crawl up as we keep hearing buzz like this. I think by the time redraft season starts in earnest, we're going to see him going at 2.04 or 2.05 or something like that. So if we can get four spots of equity here just by getting a little tiny bit ahead of the curve over guys like Devontae Freeman and LaShawn McCoy, who we were getting zero exposure to anyway, let's see if we can get a little bit of Jared McKinnon on Roster Watch Nation's uh, best ball rosters this year. Hey, last thing here for you. Uh, kind of off the cuff, we've talked at times about could Samaj P. Ryan be the kind of guy that lost weight, changed his body like a Le'Veon Bell, came into year two and improved? And we know that situation has obviously evaporated with the addition of Golden Son, Darius Geist to the Redskins. But, you know, we've seen the report about Fournette coming into OTA slimmer and having lost some weight. And you guys have to remember that we've always said Fournette had a little Le'Veon Bell to him. And the more you think about it, that's a fairly reasonable comparison, kind of year one and player and player type and body type. So uh, a lot of people hating on Leonard Fournette right now. Uh, I mean, what else is new? I'm going to hang in the pocket with that guy, man. What else is new? People hating on Leonard Fournette. You know, it's like that's 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 what happens. People hate on Leonard Fournette. It's it, it, there's there's a there's a cottage industry about it. There should be cottage industries for 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 articles hating on Leonard Fournette, tweets hating on Leonard Fournette, and tweets mentioning the fact that fucking Colin Kaepernick is still not employed anytime a shitty quarterback gets signed by an NFL franchise. Anything else you got, Byron? Hey, it's Cottage Industries and the Banana Republics. <laughs> it sure is. All right. Uh, that'll do it for this episode, episode 81 of the Roster Watch Podcast. Again, we have more podcasts coming out this week. If you like the new volume of podcasts and want them to continue, please give us a good rating and a review in Apple Podcasts on Stitcher or on Google Play. So for Byron Lambert for the trash man for the robot genius and all of roster watch nation this has been the roster watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com we will see you next time <laughs>